0: Who is Coach Mike? Coach Mike, very nice guy. He's a good softball coach. He's sincere. He's the dumbest smart guy I've ever known. Upbeat, optimistic, good-natured, always looking on the bright side of things.
1: Wow, thank God he didn't say that I had a face for radio. But then what do you expect for $5 these days? Just can't hire good help. Hey, in all seriousness aside, stay tuned for the Weed Whacker Podcast. Where I will be discussing almost any subject and bringing in guests to hash out and get rid of all the weeds. We're going to clear the path for your success in whatever it might be you need, your life, your business, your politics, your religion. We're going to bring it all right here to the Weed Whacker. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, you hear that noise, and you know what that is. That is the weed whacker. I'm here to whack weeds. I'm Coach Mike, and everything we want to do is to help you whack some weeds and clear the path to your success. So this is the place to tune to. We're on Spotify, iHeart, Amazon, Apple, uh, Acast. And if you can't remember any of those or find me, go to CoachMikeNow.com. And you'll find it right there. My email is Mike coachmike at coachmikenow.com. Who can't remember that? You don't need to be Patrick Jane to remember that. If you don't know who Patrick Jane is, send me an email and I'll fill you in. It's one of my favorite shows, The Mentalists, right? I just got through binging on that thing. I love that show. But anyway, today I've got a great guest. And I think she is going to bring me more guests or more audience here because she's really something... And she's the second guest I've had whose name comes up first in Google. That's not easy to do, all right? Especially my name, Mike Davis. Is is, I used to get in trouble for another Mike Davis in high school. But uh, to be number one on Google, that takes a lot in itself. But this young lady is just absolutely awesome. She helps people. And I'm going to let her tell a little bit about herself. Welcome, Allison Roberts, to the show.
2: Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you. Um, A little bit about myself. I am from Georgia. Uh, I've traveled extensively, but I always come home because I absolutely love living in the state. And um, I came out with my book, The Spiritual Journey, the part no one talks about. And it's a self-help book that really opens your eyes to where you might need some healing in your own life. I share my story, but at the end of each chapter, I'm asking some pretty intense questions that you can get out your journal and be like, Oh boy. Because I believe that our story, our journey is really to help other people learn and grow and become their most powerful self.
1: Wow, I see your, your highlight, your biggest thing you'd like to talk about is that healing. What inspired yes. that? What, what brought you to healing?
2: Well, I grew up in a narcissistic, abusive household as a, as a child. And I started therapy when I was 19 because I was pregnant and homeless and living in my car. And when I hooked up with an adoption agency, they were like, you can't go through this process and not have therapy. It was one of their requirements. It's the best gift that anyone has ever given me. So I sat down with my very first therapist at 19 and I told her the cliff note version of my life. And she said, oh, you have narcissistic parents. And I was like, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, what is that? I don't know what that is. And um, she gave me a lot of books to read. And, you know, I was going to a um, support group for adult survivors of child abuse, and they were all like in their 40s and 50s and 60s. And here I am this little pregnant, 19 year old kid sitting amongst them. Again, the greatest one of the greatest gifts that was ever given to me. And It was really through their eyes that I started to see that I wasn't going to wait until I was 40 or 50 or 60 or 70 to start working on myself, that I needed to start right then. If I was going to make any kind of difference in my life, I needed to untangle the very tightly woven narcissistic web that I grew up in. And it, you know, it still to this day can sneak in, you know, and I have to I have to get right back to the work and untangle the web. You know, to get the weed whacker out. Get the weed whacker out. out. That's right. (laughs) What happens to your yard?
1: If you if you don't mow your yard, the weeds will come back.
2: Right? That's right. Exactly right.
1: Allison, the thing that uh, and, and I really applaud you for sharing and being vulnerable like that, because I'm sure you've been doing it for a while. But even there, to me, I see people that it's so hard for whatever it is that so you had a, a really tough day. I, my mom died when I was 10. but I, I was adopted. It was, so it wasn't my real mom, but I never knew my real mom. So as far as I was concerned, she was. But my dad remarried and that didn't work out so well. And so the blessing I had, I went to live with my aunt and uncle, and they were the ones that started going to church every week. Um, My dad, we'd we'd go to church, but not regularly. So when I moved in with my aunt and uncle, it was my mom's sister. That was probably one of the best things that happened to me. But even there, going through the years, there was little habits or I I like to gamble. I still do occasionally, but not like I used to bet on the dogs. I grew up in Phoenix. I love the dog races there. They're illegal. Oh, my God. How, that's discrimination. we got to have dog breed. We have horse breed to go dogs. No, anyway, it was in my 30s. I had moved to California in, in 79, and our church in California, we actually had a guy come in that was doing care groups or whatever you want to call them, health groups. And he did it for both men and women. And we would do some separate, some together. But it wasn't there. So I'm doing it because, okay, maybe, maybe I, I'm usually pretty positive. So I'm sitting in a group and I tell this guy, you know, he says, Mike, tell me, you know, what's going on, your turn. Oh, my mom died when I was 10. He said, no, 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 no. Stop right there. Tell me about your mom dying. Oh, my mom died. Yeah, no big deal. You know, uh, tell me about your mom dying. My mom 10 years old in Tempe, Arizona. You weren't allowed to go into hospital if you're under 14, even if your mom was dying. Wow. So when I was in my thirties there, I could hardly say that. I can say it now. Obviously, I've, I guess I've progressed. But that night in that group, I couldn't hardly get that out. So I applaud you for what you were getting on there. So that is pretty awesome. How much does faith become involved with your healing?
2: Well, it's, that's an interesting question. Because I actually um, I use personalized science. It's a, it's a system that I sort of put together because there's two things that happen when we're healing. The first is that the part of our brain that's the fear brain doesn't want us to heal. I can't, it's too hard. I don't know how. And so it'll make up every valid reason, excuse, appointment, uh, television show, social, like it'll distract you from doing The work that you need to do in order to heal your stuff, because the reason for that is because our pain is our comfort zone until it's not anymore. So pain is excruciating as it is. That's what our brain knows. And so it's like, hey, wait a minute. You can't, you can't change and become a different person because then we're going to die. It's not, it's not safe for you to change. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, it's true. It's just how it works. And we believe it. We're like, oh, that's, you know, yeah, therapies. I can't find a therapist or I can't find a life coach. That's, that's too expensive. I don't have the time to do all of that. You know, we like, we come up with every, possible excuse that feels so real right and so valid and so for me the spirituality is the other side of that coin and the beautiful amazing thing about spirituality is that it will guide you when you're losing in the science so if your brain is just like You're 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 gonna stay the same and that's it. Like you're you're not ever going to change. That's when you can say, okay, God, (laughs) I'm losing the the battle over here. I can't, I'm trying to become the boss of my brain. I can't become the boss of my brain. Can you please step in? Can you intervene? Please intervene. I need I need help. And that's when it never fails. You know, God will step in and or your angels or energy or the universe, whatever you want to call it will step in and just start opening doors for you to become the boss of your brain.
1: That is an interesting explanation. I love that because I always, you know, always like when you're, especially all the politicals, everybody's saying science here and religion is all these wackos here or whatever. Or sci- uh, God created the science people. Yeah. You know, right. God created the science. So uh, I love the way you put that. That was pretty awesome. Now, Allison, you gave me some weeds you want to whack here, and I told you I'm going to reverse the way you had it because I think the one you mentioned talking about fear, I want to save that for last because I really think that's a big thing. If we don't help anybody else any whack any other weeds today, that's the one I think we get to because if we whack that weed – Everything else falls into place. Everything else
2: falls. Yes, it falls right into place beautifully.
1: Yes. So let's go to number three. And you already given us a little bit in your case. Your story is what people need to connect with you on an authentic level. Why aren't you telling it? Is it because of the pain?
2: Yes. So it's the pain and also fear. People are afraid. To be their true authentic self because they are afraid that they're going to be hated. And so what they do is their yard looks like Coach Mike's yard. Their car looks like Allison's car. They're, I mean, just drive in a neighborhood. It's like White House, White House, White House, <laughs> White House. All modern farmhouses now. Even if it used to be brown, it's white now. You know, like everybody has a White House now. And you know, every, everybody has granite <laughs> countertops. Everybody has hardwood floors. Like it just, it's, it's something that we, we do because it doesn't feel safe to be different. And so what happens is that people fall in love with a version of us that's not even really us. And so this is why. I feel like when people start doing healing, their relationships can get into trouble, which is another reason why a lot of people avoid doing the healing work is because they're like, well, I've been married to this person for 20 years and I can't become my true authentic self now because I've never been my true authentic self. And then this person isn't going to love me because I'm now that I realize that, I don't. you know, we don't do it maliciously. It's just we wear masks that feel safe. And when you start to do the work, the mask naturally fall off. You don't have to take them off. There's the strings and tether and they just start falling to the floor. And then the people around you are like, who are you? Like, well, well, what do you mean you don't eat hot dogs anymore? What do you, what do you mean you don't <laughs> want to go to the barbecue? What do you mean Aunt Lucy can't come over? What are you talking about? Because you establish boundaries and you start. Only doing the things that bring you joy and you start trying to align your work with what lights you up inside. And one of my clients the other day was like, "Allison, I love working with you, but you have created a big mess. And I said, no, you created the mess you created the mess because you started to do the work and she's like, yeah, but it's a beautiful mess. And I'm like, yeah, right. It's a beautiful mess. It really is.
1: Do you find people are that, you know, I get the mask part. I think we all do that to a degree, but I would think for most of us that 80% of behind the mask is, is us is, it, or is it worse than that? I mean, do we, are people that much different for protecting that relationship or whatever? Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, I think I think it depends. I think if people early on their journey, like in their 20s or in their 30s, if they got any kind of self-care at all, any any form of self-awareness, even if it was just watching Oprah every day, you know, just some some form of I have permission. To be myself, then their masks are very thin and pretty transparent. You know, you can kind of, it's like, oh, you're putting on airs right now, but I really, but behind you, you're like a really big softy. Like it's kind of like the boss in the office is walking around, you know, blah, 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 but everybody knows he's just like underneath there's like a huge teddy bear. He cries when we watch <laughs> Bambi, you know. Then there's other people who it's never felt safe ever to be themselves in any situation whatsoever. And so they're codependent and they're looking to other people to bring them happiness or more money and they'll be happy, more love and they'll be happy. It's conditional happiness. And the more conditional happiness we have, the more mask we're wearing and people really do not. And we don't because we don't even know ourselves. Other people don't know us, but we also don't know ourselves. And that is sad. It's very sad. Oh, wow.
1: I think I know myself pretty good. That's, that's yeah. interesting. <laughs> I hope you do find some people that know themselves.
2: Yeah, I do. Okay.
1: Okay. I, I, you had me worried there a minute. I, think I, <laughs> well, I
2: was talking about the like the extremes, right? How, how so, big is the
1: extreme? How is it how big is the extreme you run into as a life coach?
2: It's it's so interesting because I used to just take on any client. You know, if you wanted to work with me, I wanted to work with you. Great. They hired me. Off we go. Now you have to go through an interview process with me in order for me to work with you. So, and, and it's not a judgment thing because a lot of people are like, wow, that's, you know, you're judging people. That's horrible. And I'm like, no, I'm just not their person. The, the, the extreme person needs therapy. And the difference between coaching and therapy is this in therapy you do most of the talking and coaching the coach does most of the talking so if you have never felt seen or heard or safe you need therapy if you feel safe and seen and heard but your goals just aren't being met and you have some pattern that you're stuck in then you need coaching I like
1: that I like that I've never heard anybody put that that way that's awesome Um, thank you yeah, well, it's like we were talking before the show. The best coach has people that don't like him or that they haven't helped, and that's whether it's in sports or you're giving hitting lessons or anything else or in business or in life coaching. And the worst coach has somebody that likes them and somebody that they've helped. Uh, we yes. never know who's going to connect. So I think it's it's probably smart of you, and I see a lot of the coaches that have started doing when we're new. We all want business, right? We need, we'll need. we grab, like you say we'll take whatever we can because we want somebody to give us that review to get us going. But then we find out there's some people we can't help. Some people I might not be able to help. Right. And so you need to find which client can work with you better. And you're not just benefiting yourself by doing that. You're benefiting that person, even that you turn away. If you say, Hey, look, I know I can't help you. Uh, here's somebody I know that might be a better fit for you. That's not judgment. That's just, that's a, I think that's good customer service. That's my expertise is customer service. I
2: do too. It's it's showing the person that you genuinely care about their outcome.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, That makes a ton of sense. Let's go on to number two. I love this because it's the opposite of me. You think you're busier and more productive than you actually are. And here's what's going on and how to stop it. That might be my wife's thing. She <laughs> always tells me she never has enough time. So I don't know. That might be her deal. I'm the opposite. I probably need to be busier. Uh, to Play that out a little bit. How does that work?
2: It's going to sting a little bit, guys. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> when I when I share this with people, they're like, oh, no. <laughs> And it's just in my 25 years of research, okay? So I'm not saying this is true for every single person, but this is what I have observed in myself and in others is that we believe that we are busier than what we really are. And the reason that we do this is we would rather go outside and pull weeds than to prospect people as new clients. And the reason for that is because you know how to pull weeds. You're not asking anything from anyone. You have something to show for it. It feels really good when you're finished. There's no more weeds in the garden. It's like, see, that doesn't the garden look beautiful? And it's like, yeah, but we can't eat. We don't have any money coming in. And so when I, when people are like, oh, I don't have time, I don't, you know, I'm so busy. I don't have time. The exercise that I have my clients go through is I have them take three deep breaths and place a hand over their heart, close their eyes. And then I ask them, what does your life look like if you have all the time in the world? If you create your own time, what are are you doing? And... If they're not, because I, because I, I'm a business coach. So if one of their answers is not prospecting or business collaboration, then I know that they are afraid to be successful. They're not afraid of failure. I I talked about this on a podcast the other day and the the guy that was interviewing me was like, hold on, wait a minute. I I, hold on. I've got to, I got to, have you say that like three more times, but I really don't believe in fear of failure. And, and here's why. If you are, are not successful, then you already know what that feels like. And you've already lived it. So your brain is trying to convince you that you're afraid of failing. But if you haven't succeeded yet, then you've already failed. Wow. and. Yep. Very true. <laughs> yeah. And so your brain is not really afraid of failing. Your brain is afraid of what your life's going to look like on the other side of success.
1: Wow. Is it a matter, obviously, if we had the money coming in, if we got that part of the success down, does that wipe out everything else? Or is still, how do you, how do you separate the fear of cold calling, for example, of selling that way nowadays, you know, people don't like to be sold. And right. it's easy instead of me picking up the phone and calling people, it's easier just to post something on Facebook or LinkedIn or something like that and hope somebody calls us or go to a meeting. So what else is there about success? Is it just about getting that money? Or is there something else tied into that?
2: Yeah, to me, money is not a measure of success. Money is a product of the level of success that you've achieved. Very interesting. You know, if I go out to a restaurant and I start building relationships with every single person there, right? I just go up to their table and I'm like, hey, I'm I'm Allison and, you know, I would love to just buy your dinner tonight. And in exchange for that, I'm just going to tell you for five minutes what I do, you know, and they're like, well, our dinner going to be $70. Do you actually do that? I would I don't do that, but I have a co- I have a client that does this. Really? Wow! Yep. A- <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How many people turn him down?
2: <laughs> a lot. Really? Yes, a lot. A lot of pe- send, he gets send, he gets more no's than yeses. Send it my way. <laughs> 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 but here's but but here's the thing: the people who say yes, he has built some incredible relationships with, I mean, yeah, you know, some incredible relationships with and the people who say, yes, he's like, those are my people. The people who say, no, we're not my people. They're just, they're just telling me, I don't want to get to know you. I don't, I don't don't care care what you do. I don't, I don't care. Right. And so he's like, so I knew right off the bat, like, awesome. I'm not wasting my time. You know,
1: that's, I've never, that's, a, that's an awesome, <laughs> but I, I'm a, that's great. I'm going to have to try the dog.
2: <laughs> I, well, it, it's something, it, it happened in a very weird way for him. So he and his wife were at dinner. They live out in California. He and his wife were at dinner one night and these two guys that were next to him were having a very interesting conversation and he had just started his business. And he's not a coach. He does something completely different. And his wife was like, why don't you offer to pick up their tab in exchange for buying them coffee, you know, or, you know, just to sit with you, come join us or whatever, right? So he goes over and he was like, and they were broke, okay? Like they were living on a savings account, his credit cards, his dad had loaned him some money. Like they were like, this is not a situation where they could just buy everybody's dinner. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Sure. So he was like, this sounds ridiculous, but I'm going to just do it. I'm just going to go for it. So he goes over to the table and he's like, hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to eavesdrop or whatever, but I heard you guys talking about this. And I just started a company and this is what I do. And it's like, I would love to just buy you, you know, coffee or, or pick up your tab And if you just let me sit down for like five or 10 minutes and share it with you. And the guy was like, sure, you can you can pick up our tab. (laughs) Wow. So this is the greatest story. This is so great. And so he sits down with them and he shares the story with them and he picks up the leather pouch to go up to the front to pay the tab. And they had actually already closed out. Oh, Wow. (laughs) Oh. <laughs> but because he offered,
1: they, let him they know. gave
2: him the opportunity.
1: Did they become his client?
2: They did not become his client, but they referred like 40 or 50 different people to him over like a 10 year span of time.
1: Wow. Now that's true networking there.
2: That it is true networking. And he didn't sit down to sell them. In that conversation, he said, I overheard you say that you use this system and I just want to share with you the problems that that's going to cause you in three years from now.
1: Wow. Wow.
2: So he was helping them. Sure. If every person that wants to gain more clients, if they could just turn everything into, I'm going to help you first before I ask you for anything. I do this all the time. I do free launches constantly. The first three or four days, I don't even talk about them working with me. I I don't, I just give and give and give and give and give because first of all, because I want to, it's a great way to live. But secondly, people are much more willing to listen to what you have to offer if you've already solved a problem for them.
1: That's right. That's right. You know, that's the key of network. I do a training session to help people develop their, Thirty-second commercial, whatever you call it, and the biggest—the biggest key that so many people miss—is number one, they don't identify the meeting they're going to if it's going to be a good fit for them. But let's say you're it, it's a chamber event or whatever, and the first thing you want to do is—is is you want to start selling them. People don't want to be sold; they want to know who you are first, right? And yes. I've had situation after situation. The group I was in in California. The president would tell people, plan on being here six months before people do business with you. you now, Obviously, that's going to depend on what your product or service is and the cost. And we had a guy who would sell water filtration systems. And within a few weeks, he's complained, oh, nobody's buying anything. Nobody's buying. Well, number one, you've been here like two three weeks. Right. Uh, you've got a $1,000 system. So for my prior, I used to have a mail and parcel center. I used to like a UPS store, but it's independent. I got to sell a whole bunch of packages shipped out to make what you make off one sale. Exactly. He was still complaining, but yet I've seen people that they don't know what else to do. when they get to the meeting, they go to that networking meeting. well, they think they have to make some sales pitch. No, you don't.
2: No, just let just people get to know. I.
1: But don't people, here's how I can help you. Yes. Here's what I can do for you. Yes. Let them take the ball. To...
2: Just like today, right? This podcast. Hopefully somebody will walk away with something going, wow, okay, cool. And then you and I have won.
1: We've won. We've got somebody, right? (laughs) All right. Third and final, and this is the most important one for, if this doesn't help somebody listening to this podcast, then I give up. I'll I'll write off the the power we give fear until we don't anymore. And that is... I think of it different ways. It's a little bit differently the, the way you put that, but it is so true in public speaking. Number one fear, people are, why are you afraid to get up in front of some people and tell them what you do? Uh, you're the expert of what you're doing. They aren't, right? They right. don't know what your story is about. You do. Why don't you have confidence in that? Why do you have that? But it applies to so many areas of our life. Like you say, you're afraid of being successful. We create fears. And and the biggest acronym I like to use, I'm sure if you haven't, you can take this one today, but I'm sure you false evidence appearing real. What fear is false evidence appearing real? How many times are we afraid of something that never happens? When I was a kid, I'm afraid, oh, if I did this or my I'm going to get a spanking for this or whatever. Right. And a lot of times we didn't get the spanking. The punishment wasn't that bad, but yet we get them. Oh, if I do this, I'm going to get in so much trouble. And yet we bring that forward. If I try to do this, I'm going to fail. I'm going to lose my money. I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to lose my friends. That's awesome. The power we give it. Tell us about that.
2: Fear is our natural brain. Fear is, it's really our friend. Fear is, fear exists to say like, hey, that's not a dolphin. That's actually a shark. (laughs) You know, there's, there's, There's somebody trying to get into your basement right now. You need to run, run to your neighbors, run, run, run. The the problem, the challenge is this. Most people cannot discern between danger and resistance. Fear is just resistance when there is no present danger. Fear is like, wait a minute. Do we really want to spend $150 on that? Because we may never, there There may be no more $150 ever. What if it never comes back? That's fear's job. Fear's job is to say, we're not safe. You're not safe. You're not safe. You're not safe. You're not safe. So the only time that fear feels safe is when we are in a repetitive life. We wake up, we brush our teeth, we walk to the kitchen, We make our coffee, we drink it the same way that we've been drinking it since nineteen seventy-two. We go this we drive the same way to work. We drive the same way home. Some people even go so far as like Monday is chicken, Tuesday is meatloaf, Wednesday is pizza, (laughs) Thursday is fish, Friday is leftovers, Saturday is out to eat, Sunday you eat at church, start over on Monday. Like they just live in this automatic repetitive life. And that's what fear loves. Fear loves the same. Fear loves the same. If you don't believe me, try sleeping on the opposite side of your bed tonight <laughs> and feel how weird it feels. Your brain will be like, why are we over here? This is making sense. I can't sleep over here. I'm, I'm too close to the door. Da, da, da. It's too hard. I can't. I don't know how. I don't know how to sleep over here. But Try going a different way to work. Your brain will be like, oh, there's going to be too much traffic. We're going to be late. There's not going to be that. I mean, every single time that you hear, I can't, it's too hard. I don't know how. You are in your automatic fear brain. So the only way out of the fear trap is awareness. It's the only way out of like, okay, wait a minute. I can spend $150. I get paid tomorrow. This is crazy. Or I can eat pizza tonight instead of waiting until Thursday because it's just food. Like I can sleep on the other side of the bed tonight. You know, if you just start making little changes like that and start noticing that you you survived. You woke up on another side of the bed, on another side of the room, and you didn't die. Your brain will be like, oh, I guess change is safe for us, and then you can just start trying to make a little bit bigger change and a little bit bigger change. It's like lifting weights, right? You don't walk in a gym and pick up three hundred pounds. You got to walk in, you got to pick up ten, and then fifteen, and then twenty-five, and then forty. And even then, you got to have somebody standing there going, "Come on, you can do it." Because if it hurts, we don't want to have anything to do with it, and that is fear.
1: Very good. Yes. So it's it's simpler. You make it sound too simple almost. It is simple. I never never did get to 300 pounds, and I probably never will again. Uh, Back in October, I tore my rotator cuff.
2: Oh, And
1: so pain is stopping. I'm still – I had one surgery right before Christmas, uh, tried to fix it. Two of the tendons didn't hold. So the doc Um. says I can fix them again, but they probably won't hold again, so let's do a reverse cup replacement. So now I'm – struggling through that. And still there's pain and pain keeps me from wanting to do the exercise because it's not yep. very comfortable. As That's far as sleeping true. on the other side of the bed, my dogs would probably object to that. <laughs> they, they we're very lucky they let us sleep in our bed or their bed or one of those. <laughs> <laughs> so Allison, besides just telling them to do something different, how hard do you have to push people to actually do it and follow through with it? How many people do you have? What percentage, if you know, the, that start working with you and they give up because, oh, they just can't, they just can't do it anymore.
2: The people who give up that I work with are the people who want to be rescued or swallow a magic pill. And It really comes with understanding and taking radical personal responsibility that we are the solution, which means that we are also the problem. And so I know very quickly if someone is going to be able to make radical changes with me, if they are not blaming, if they don't expect a quick fix, if they listen and they're willing to be uncomfortable. Because this, it, the work with me requires a level of uncomfortability. Like you, you are, you're loving it, but you're also very uncomfortable at the same time that you're loving it. And so the people who see a lot of success with me are the ones who are like, okay, I'm the problem. I'm the solution. And I'm going to be really uncomfortable and I'm going to stretch myself and I'm going to take myself in places that I've never taken myself before, understanding that it's gonna hurt, but I'm not gonna die. Those are those are my people. Those are the people who go from making five figures to six figures, six to seven. Those are my people who haven't had a date in twenty-two years and they find themselves getting married in two years, three years. These are my all kinds like losing 85 pounds and just the, the goals are not always about business. I mean, most of them are with me, but some people come to me and they're like, listen, in order for me to get to my next level in business, I know that I need to fix my personal life. My personal life is in the toilet. So if you can help me there, then I know that my business will take off. So I will work with those people as well.
1: Allison, hey, forgive me for Throwing a stereotype out there, but just by any coincidence, I see your beautiful blonde hair. Were you a softball player in your younger days? Soccer. Soccer. Okay. Usually blonde and soft, the blondes are softballers. But <laughs> sort of what you said there about being uncomfortable, that was something I used to use. I learned from another coach with practices is learn to be comfortable being uncomfortable.
2: Yes. That's it. And right there. That is
1: so powerful. And to admit that we're the problem too—that's—that's really so many people, and we see it more today. And I want to go into a—is it our education, our politics, or whatever? So many people want to blame everything else. Yeah. Everything. Everybody. Every some whatever—they're going to come up with something. They're the last person they want to point at to fix that problem. Yeah. So that's that's pretty awesome there. Allison, if somebody is their ears are tingling or their heart's beating right now, or they're they're hearing this and they say, maybe I need to find out more about Allison, how can they find out more about you?
2: Go to AllisonRoberts.com and you can reach out to me through the website.
1: And make sure they spell Allison correctly, because you do spell right. it a little differently.
2: Yes. A-L-L-Y-S-O-N. I can thank my dad for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very good. How, why? Did, is there a story behind that? He named me after June Allison. So he didn't like the June, but he loved the Allison. So very here interesting. I am. Yeah.
1: <laughs> awesome. Well, that's, that's pretty. My daughter has a sister. We named her after a little girl that got stuck in a pipe in Texas 30 some years ago. So little Jessica. I don't know if you remember that uh, story.
2: yeah. I do remember little Jessica. I sure do. Yeah we remember we named
1: her jessica and i very proud of her she's doing a done a great job and she actually works at a very well-known daycare center here and loves working with kids and stuff so she's sort of a coach in her own right and i've actually she's actually coming out and helped me before and some of my softball teams even because she she's she used to be a pitcher and loved to play but she just loves working with people like that so maybe someday we'll see her doing the life coach thing who knows that would be
2: amazing that would be amazing
1: Allison, I hear the weed whacker going again, so that means it's time to wrap up. Thank you so much you. For, your, for your vulnerability, your honesty. And just, you know, I think right there, it's got to inspire some people to say, I want to work with you because so many people, I like they're always trying to sell us, even life coaches, they would, oh, I've got the solution. It's this, this, and that, boom, boom. And it's all, you need to find out about somebody first. And I can just tell you like to do a little homework and yes. get to know people and say here I can help you or maybe I can't but here's somebody that can't. I love that and I hope some people give you a, a holler on that. Thank you so much for being on the Weed Whacker.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Weed Whacker podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to Mike coachmike at coachmikenow.com Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit coachmikenow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success. For listening to the Weed Wacker Podcast. If you would like to join Coach Mike to discuss an issue important to your life, send us an email to Coach Mike at CoachMikeNow.com. Tell us about your issue and how it is affecting your life. Give us your first and last name, phone number, and email address, and we will contact you regarding scheduling. Coach Mike will use only your first name unless you request your full name in the podcast. Also, please visit CoachMikeNow.com to sign up for Coach Mike's weekly newsletter. You can also visit Coach Mike's Clubhouse on Locals.com. There you can choose to follow Coach Mike, or if you want access to more content, become a member of Coach Mike's Clubhouse to get certain members-only content. Thanks again for listening. God bless you as you whack those weeds out of your life and move forward to success.